This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. Onthehorn.com. You're listening to On the Horn, the Hartford Online Radio Network, and we are open for business. The netcast dedicated to exploring the issues surrounding business, entrepreneurship, technology in the 21st century. Your hosts on the left-hand side of your screen, Zen master and musician Tommy Russo, owner of LNR Productions, full-service audio master. and video production house. And it's a house run by the talent, not by the corporate executives. That's very, very important if, you're, if you know what I mean. Uh, Ken Cook, acclaimed author, speaker, Fortune 500 consultant, and contributor to Inc. Magazine. Ken is also a very easy mark on the golf course. I'm Brian Parker, <laughs> your facilitator. Is that uh, true, Ken? Yes, yes, it is. True. It's absolutely <laughs> true. Are you kidding me? That's how we paid for all this stuff. I won it in a golf match. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're talking today with Dr. Bruce Stein, otherwise known as Bruce Stein. Uh, Vanishing Veins, vanishingveins.net. Uh, talk about... Uh, well, not just vanishing veins, but, you know, vanity, medical procedures, when do you pull the trigger, what it all means. But we're going to start the show, as we always do, with a few quotes from the Zen master himself, Tommy Russo. Tommy, what are the quotes, baby? Oh, but before we get to the quotes, thanks. The mic seems a little bit low to me this evening, Brian. Is the game levels up? I just think it's your, uh, I think it's your seat. I think you shrunk. You're okay. getting older. All right, maybe that's it. Anyway, we can't forget that uh, Bruce Stein and his wife, Lori Greenwald, also own Vives. So we've got two practices that we're going to be discussing. But I've got two quotes, as most of our listeners know, we like to start off with. The first one's a little bit serious. And here we go. It's body and soul cannot be separated for purposes of treatment, for they are one and indivisible. Sick minds must be healed as well as sick bodies. Okay. And then using that as a segue. I hope you pick us up after that. Okay. Here we go. I got the bill for my surgery. Now I know what those doctors were wearing masks for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to ask uh, either of you or any of you who, uh, who quoted those quotes, but here we go. So, Bruce, welcome. We're glad to have you on board. Glad to be here. All right. Well, thanks. So tell us a little bit first about the two practices, Vanishing Veins and Vives, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Vanishing Veins was their original practice, and I think the name is self-explanatory. We take care of veins. Uh, people have vein diseases, essentially varicose veins and spider veins. Um, we grew out of that, or added, grew into the VEST, which is a laser and skin care center where we take care of cosmetic issues, largely around the face, with lasers, Botox, fillers, uh, and some other more advanced procedures. I think that defines the two practices. They sort of dovetail with each other mm. since some of the vein issues that people have, V-E-I-N, not V-A-I-N, right. some of those vein issues that they have are not purely for symptoms or problems that they're having other than cosmetic issues. So they sort of naturally dovetail with each other. So vein does lead to vein, if you know what I mean. Oh. Well, they're certainly... Oh, stop it, Ken. <laughs> certainly intimately related. Right. No, absolutely. Before we dig deeper, though, you know, part of the reason, other than you know our friendship and working together now for a few years that I wanted you here on the show, is you've got a really interesting story. Uh, you know, practicing gastroenterologist, I don't know how many years you were 
practicing doctor. How many were they, Bruce? Let me see. Um, from 1978 to 2003. Well, 25 years. So long time. And then you made a decision to retire from the practice, essentially. Right. And then dove in head first to the marketing of the two businesses. You know, is, is that a correct, you know, framework that I'm putting this in? Well, there was a delay of about four years. So, mm-hmm. um, when we first start, when my wife really, Dr. Greenwald, Lori Greenwald is my wife, um, nepotism at its worst, but when <laughs> when she started the practices, the Vanishing Veins practice in 2003, we anticipated that would be a small practice. Um, did s- marketing research to the extent that I Googled a lot. Uh, and when I Googled a lot, there were, I was surprised at the number of women that had vein disease, but the numbers looked too high to me. I just couldn't really believe those numbers when I looked at them. Something like, say, a million people in the, not a million, say, 100,000 people in the Hartford area. That's a lot. Really? That's a lot. Yeah, a lot of people. Wow. With vein disease. It just sounded too much. Sounded too much. So our original plan was that this would be a small practice. My wife was retiring from a very busy vascular surgery practice really life and limb sort of things, carotid arteries, strokes, legs are about to be cut off, really, uh, you know, aneurysms, aortic mm. aneurysms. So she was retiring to that because she thought the vein practice would be more amenable to having children, basically. Um, and we really thought it would be a three-day-a-week thing. One or two employees, not a big deal. I saw all those numbers that I researched, but... I didn't believe them. It just sounded too good to be true. Um, but it really grew. The numbers were probably accurate. Um, and by 2007, um, she, we jointly made the decision to start doing laser therapy and having a aesthetic medicine component. And she asked me if I would help do that because she, she was just way too busy. And... In doing that, marketing eventually became a major, um, a major commitment, um, and took up a lot of my time. So originally, what I thought was going to be, for me, a very small commitment of time, ended up being a full-time job anyway. And now I do sixty hours a week. (laughs) So much for three days a week. No, right. And I can testify in part because I know how hard he works. There's no doubt about it. So now I'm curious as to. Your wife in vascular surgery, you in gastroenterology. Gastroenterology. Enterology. I didn't think I pronounced it right. Uh, And now 60 hours a week running vibrant, growing companies. Which one has more stress? Um, I don't feel particularly stressed out by either one, but um, I don't know if it's a digression to talk a bit, bit about being a physician, but... Things that to people on the outside would be stressful about being a physician on the inside aren't, particularly life and death things. Really? Well, if that's what you do on a day-to-day basis, if you're constantly dealing with that on a day-to-day basis, then when another one comes down the pike, you know, it's, well, I've been there, I've done that, I sort of know what my reflexes are, what responses should be. Okay. I didn't find that particularly stressful either. Hmm. I mean, after a while, you have to get good at what you do. Did you... 
when you started the businesses in 2003, was it always positive from the day you opened the doors or were there any downtimes, any times maybe the recession hit or something that you looked at it and said, man, bad cash flow or bad month or anything of that nature? I think everybody has bad cash flow from time to time, but the practices grew pretty pretty steadily. Pretty, pretty steadily. Uh, when the recession hit, the practice didn't really retrench or the business didn't really retrench but the growth, you know, the growth really decreased significantly during that time. Flattened out on you. Yeah. Okay. Well, what impressed me, though, and, you know, uh, full disclosure here, Bruce and I have been working together now for a handful of years. My company does a lot of the production, you know, for the two practices. And if I'm not mistaken, we got connected either at the end of 08, the beginning of 2009. So it's been three years and change. Am I remembering right? Uh, it's some, I, I trust you. Okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> uh, but but I, part of the reason why I remember that is being struck at how aggressive you and Lori were in an economy that was in a total tailspin. And it, it, it hit me, and certainly a lot of the clients that we had working relationships with still do, when the bottom fell out in 2008, spilling into 2009, they ran for the hills, you know, really cut back on, you know, marketing budgets, advertising budgets, you name it. They, they really pulled back on the reins. And you guys hit hard and consistently. And so I wonder, was that conscious decision on your part to do everything but retreat in that down, downturn economy? Yeah, that was a very conscious decision. Uh, that was a strategic decision at that point. Um, the reason for doing that was that uh, I perceived everybody was running for the hills. Hmm. Uh, right. And even if you couldn't capture more clients necessarily, you could certainly capture more mind share. If everybody else was gone, um, then the there were two reasons for advertising at that point one which was to get a, as many people as you could who were still in the market but also to become the that go-to entity that everybody associated with the particular medical conditions we were tre treating i think that was actually a successful idea i think that worked out exactly the way i wanted it to knowing a bit about marketing advertising history uh in other downturns, you know, going back, the advertisers that took the approach that you and Laurie chose consciously uh, are the ones that have come out on uh -huh. the winning side. So, yeah, I think you guys really made a great decision. And I hope the boys and girls that are tuning in right now are paying attention to that. But that the, that is the time to really, if anything, not disappear. And if you have the resources available to you, to heavy up and get out there and be aggressive because you're right when people are running for the hills the likelihood of you gaining i like the phrase you used mind share let alone market share is going to increase dramatically or the likelihood of that happening is going to increase dramatically and in the, your case it sounds like that's exactly what happened well one of the conditionals that you put on that was if you have the resources you know at that point in time if you're just starting out in whatever the field is you may not have the capital available to you to be able to to fund marketing when you may not at that point be getting a positive return on investment. 
um, just because there's not enough market out there to to get that positive return on investment. You really, you know, you're really the ant who's waiting, you know, waiting for the winter. It's the ant. What was it? I can't remember. What you're 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 waiting and the for grasshopper. the grasshopper. Ant and the grasshopper. Exactly. You're waiting for that <laughs> to. Uh, you're you're that entity. You know, you're the ant waiting for the for the winter to come. You're storing stuff up. Uh, in this case, storing up. Um, awareness, mm. um, but again, you have to have the resource. If you don't have the resources, then you know, you just, you know then you're probably not going to survive that particular period of time. Bruce, when you were doing the new marketing push and you were developing a message, was the message more focused on the vanity reasons to come, or more focused on the medical reasons? What what sells better for you when you sell the vanity of your services or the medical reasons for your services? Well, some of our services are purely, as you say, vanity. They're pure—I don't like that term—but let's say purely cosmetic. Some of the services. Okay. Um, so those you obviously have to market from a cosmetic perspective. Um, we have marketed the vein side of our practices, or the vein business, if you will, vanishing veins, largely from cosmetic perspective. Um, and I'm not 100% sure whether that's the right thing to have done. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether or not we should be marketing more from a medical perspective. I don't know if medical is, but symptomatic anyway. You know, feel better, you know, your leg's really hurting you, this will make you feel better. Um, uh, do you have bulging veins that constantly ache? Things of that nature. And we haven't taken that approach in... Honestly, I'm in the process of thinking about that at, at the present time. I'm curious. You have two videos on your homepage for Vanishing Veins, and both of them, if memory serves me, were medically-based testimonials. There was a gentleman who literally could not participate with his children, could not enjoy when he got home from work, romping around with the kids out in the yard went through the procedure that you folks provided for him, and now the kids don't have to come to him sitting in the easy chair with his legs up. He goes to them and plays. Right, and in the field of vein care, uh -huh. vein medicine, everybody seems to market with the same images and the same message. Beautiful legs, okay. a woman at the... You know, everybody's got the same stock photos from Getty or, or yeah. iStock. Everybody's yeah. got the same pictures, some woman twirling with her legs showing off or lying in a beach somewhere with her life completely. I've got Marilyn Monroe above a grill with a white dress myself. But <laughs> <laughs> it all works. Yeah. But well, that's that, in his garage. By the way, her veins looked awful until we took care of it. <laughs> well that was done. us. That was well us. Well done. <laughs> um. But I'm trying to think of ways to investigate without changing all of our marketing um, whether or not the message should be more related to the symptoms involved as opposed to just the cosmetic appearance. As I say everybody goes for the cosmetic appearance. That's just the way everything is 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 marketed in, my, yeah. in this field. But I'm not sure if that's right. I'm not sure if that's just everybody does it so everybody else does it. You know, it's curious. Before the show started, Bruce and I were talking, and he was talking about a redo of his websites. 
and now he's under a lot of, uh, I think for the last two weeks, focused solely on that, I think you said. And one of the points you made, which I find very interesting, is the power of Google Analytics. And you were getting from that literal understanding of what your clients were interested in. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, because as you're describing changing your messaging, the obvious question is, how do you know what to change it to? Well, you know, the Google suite of products that are free mm -hmm. are, you know, mind-boggling in their depth and yeah. their breadth. Um, what you can do with those, if you spend the time to learn how to use them, is really remarkable. If I could just jump off Google Analytics to something else they have, sure. which is called Google Web Website Optimizer. Okay. This is just a mind-numbingly great piece of software. Say you have two messages, in my case. Say one message is that if you come to me and you have veins taken care of by me, your legs will look great and you'll be able to go out in that little black dress mm -hmm. at night and your husband will love you and... You'll and just, life is good. Right, life is good. Your husband won't look at any other women. <laughs> right. He'll only have eyes for, for you. you. Exactly. So that's one message you could have. Okay. The other message is, gee, your legs are hurting you. They're aching. You can't do stuff. You can't participate in things that you would like to participate in because your legs are so painful and it's so difficult for you. And if you come to us, rather than we'll make you beautiful and you can go out at night, though the two messages bleed into each other somewhat, but mm -hmm. the focus would then be you'll feel great and be able to do things again okay, as opposed to look great. Well, Google Website Optimizer is a wonderful piece of software. So what you do is go on Google right, and you design one homepage. And that homepage is focused on how wonderful you'll look. Okay. Then you design the second homepage. And that second homepage is focused on how great you'll feel. Okay. You load up both of these, and Google Website Optimizer will randomly assign, if you clicked on vanishingveins.net, you might get look great. And if you clicked it on, you might get feel great. And it'll randomize this to all your visitors. So I have, say, 1,000 visitors a month to just the Vanishing Veins website, so 500 will get one, 500 will get another. And if you decide what metric you're going to follow, you can determine whether or not one message is better than the other message. Metrics such as? You can do, you know, sort of a really simple metric is how long do people stay on your website. Okay. Um, how many get, times? The, bounce rates and stuff. Bounce rates. Yeah. Bounce rates being when people go on your website, look at one page, and then leave. Yeah. That's a bounce. One of the things, I'm on the, your website right now, and for the folks watching live, you can see it uh, right here. I'll put it up on the broadcaster. But one of the great things is I love it when you want to connect right with them, uh, the folks visiting your website, to get them in. Schedule a consultation right here. Yeah. Bang. It's Call right to there. action right there. Um, that's one of our, our sponsors <clears throat> does the same thing. And I, I think that's such an important message. You know, there, there's other guys that we kind of bang our heads against the wall, this deep water place. Um, 
and they have a message of you know of, of calling or or fax us and i'm saying no don't fax email your order you know get an email system or something and, you know and it can come to you via fax but you know tell them to email it to you that's that's really, no one's gonna no one walks around with a with a fax machine but everyone walks around with a cell phone they can email you from quickly um but that's uh and I, I I like that. It's a very clean website too. Sometimes you get these websites that are a little, a little distracting. But should we take a little break? And uh, that was one of the smoothest segues I think Brian's ever executed. Yes, thanks. take a break, Brian. Well done, Brian. <laughs> Speaking of great websites that you can make an appointment online for, we want you to go over to uh, our good friends at CentralCTDental.com. Look, if you have a serious issue, go nowhere else. There are doctors Camp, Sambor, and Lupini. They are the top guys in the state of Connecticut, New England, maybe even in the country. They are terrific, terrific dentists, even just for routine checkups. Uh, go nowhere else. If you look on some of their testimonials, and I am, I'm going to put this up for the video watchers too. Some of their testimonials say things like, after my bike accident, I didn't think I would ever smile again. You know, Lori F., from Plainville. Well, that's a, that's a real testimonial. That's not just, you know, yes, you're a great dentist. Boy, you really make me feel wonderful when I go in. That's real stuff. These guys are professional and they're perfectionists. Easy to get to on the Plainville Farmington line. You can give them a call, 860-747-5761. Or right here, for those of you watching the video, make an appointment online. And you just click on that. You give them your first and your last name, your address, zip code. Are you a current patient? Best time to call? Morning, noon, afternoon, evening. Uh, preferred days of the week for the appointment. You have a little spot down here if you want to tell them what the, the situation is. You click that. that will send the request, and they'll get right back to you. It's a great place. CentralCTDental.com. You don't have to be in Central CT, Central Connecticut, to use them. You can, you can be anywhere. But just go ahead and give them a call, centralctdental.com. Very nice, Brian. The laser, and though though yeah. many people don't know this, their slogan line is, we don't do veins. <laughs> we don't do veins? <laughs> and that's my segue getting back to Dr. Bruce Stein here. Yeah. So <laughs> Bad teeth? <laughs> Central CT Dental. Right. Bad the, veins, bad vanishing veins. veins. <laughs> Vanishingveins.net. There you See go. See how that works, folks? Gee, we're thinking of adding dental to our practice. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Not missing a trick. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to invoice you. <laughs> Speaking of not missing a trick. <laughs> so, Bruce, um, you talked about getting aggressive and being out there in the downturn of the economy and pretty much staying with with that campaign. I'm, I think I know the answer to this, but I'd rather ask you, do you feel that the results from that campaign and what you're doing here and now ongoing pays off for you and the two practices? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think that's open to contention. Um, I find it funny when other physicians I talk to say, well, I tried a billboard or I tried radio and it doesn't work and I think 
I don't know why the, in that case there's this entire multi-billion dollar industry that's been built up to use advertising and there are all these people uh, very smart people at Coca-Cola and IBM and HP and Apple and they all seem to have figured out a way to make it work for them did you ever think maybe it's not the messenger but it's the message but I'm okay with that because if those people don't want to don't want to use it properly then that's better for me <laughs> Tommy knows that the mentor that I've never met that I think is just fabulous is uh, Peter Drucker yeah, and sure. one of his benchmarks for business is that business basically has two purposes to innovate and to create customers you for me epitomize the at least the second half of that equation of creating customers i, I remember the first time bruce and i had a conversation i was absolutely amazed you were one of the few entrepreneurs i know who religiously dedicates anywhere from seven to ten percent of revenue to marketing Oh yeah, it's it is it's not even a question in your mind to cut back that budget, which no. it me is phenomenal, and it points to the one piece of marketing that Tommy and I have always talked about, and that's consistency, consistency, consistency. Well, you know what's curious to me is that in you just pointed to a doctor with mm -hmm. two practices, yep. along with his wife, and at the same time used the word entrepreneur. My guess is, and with some other friends in related field that you're in, that a high percentage of your brethren, your colleagues, don't view themselves as entrepreneurs. They see themselves as a practicing professional, a doctor, but under that full umbrella of entrepreneurship, yep. they don't look at it that way. Your thoughts on that? I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you know, you you choose what you want to do with your life, and if you wanna, if you wanna simply not simply, if you wanna practice medicine and not bother yourself with growth, not bother yourself with all the issues involved in business, of which there are endless variety of uh, topics and issues, then that's fine. And as long as the practice does what you want it to do without having to take any business approach to it, that's fine. I got infected with the bug of growth. That's mm. um, <laughs> a good bug. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't happy with just seeing the same, you know, seeing the same numbers year in, year out. That just didn't fit my life, fit, didn't fit who I am. Mm. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it becomes a competition against yourself. You know, it's a competition against competitors, but it's all a competition against your own numbers. Gee, you know, uh, I only had, I didn't have growth last year, or I had 10% growth, or I had 50% growth. Um, and maybe that's vanity, who knows? But whether it's vanity or not, I think that's how you make things grow and become bigger. So we've had different services. We have a whole bunch of different ideas coming down the pike about ways to market the services, et cetera. Um, but you're not going to do that if you if your aim is to practice medicine, go in, do your thing, come back out. Mm. That's just a different just a different mindset. Now, for the second half of your equation, your wife Laurie is she a medical practitioner, a business person, a blend of both? What's her perspective on it? Um, she's more of a medical practitioner. Is she? Okay. Um, I, yeah. 
often husband-wife partnerships are, are doomed to failure, <laughs> either of the husband-wife situation or of the business situation. Um, but it worked out okay for us because um, when I started in 07 and I was called the executive director, I think our approach was going to be that I was going to take over all of the running of everything. But what happened was we naturally gravitated to the things that we felt more attracted to, and luckily those were very separate. So, okay. So I was gra I gravitated to, over the course of time to marketing and, if, for lack of a better word, strategic planning. Yeah. I think those are, I think those are uh, two sides of the same coin, frankly. I agree. Um, and she became she gravitated much more towards what she was doing, the medical issues and the day-to-day -day running of, you know, who's at the front desk and how are they interacting and, and that kind of thing, which for me just wasn't all that interesting. Yeah. I have a, a question, and, and I believe I know the answer to this, but this is more for those that are tuning in this evening. Uh, <laughs> what value, and for that matter, time, do you put into strategic planning? So when you go into the next fiscal year, how etched in stone a plan have you and Lori developed? And then how tried and true do you attempt to stay to that plan over the months that begin to unfold? Um, I don't know that I necessarily articulate planning on, the, on a yearly basis. Um, but I do periodically articulate plans. Um, and that might be, it, it depends on when I can get together with the people in the office um, to talk about where we should be going. Um, but once I articulate a plan of what I'm going to be doing, often it's new ventures, um, I'll stick to that. I like to, I like to articulate the plan and articulate the metric that I'm going to be looking at to decide if this was a successful endeavor or not, and then to decide whether or not I'm going to allocate more marketing dollars to this endeavor because it's, it's proven itself according to the goals that I've set for it to prove. So, for instance, um, we started a tattoo removal service. Uh, I think you're aware of this. Yep, but absolutely. It turns out big, big market. Lots of people have tattoos, and lots of people have regrets over tattoos and like to get them removed. Um, as well as there are people who want to re you know, want a different tattoo than the one they want, and they can't do that because their entire back is taken up by an eagle. <laughs> um, or they're no longer married to Ed. Right, well, that's, that's a common I told one. you guys not to show him that picture. <laughs> um, so we kicked that off probably, let's just say January 1, but I articulated very specific goals for what I wanted to do, uh, and I was going to reevaluate that at the end of June, so I put it in my Outlook calendar. And What kind of goals, if you don't mind? Yeah, um, it was number of new patients per time period. So I was looking, essentially, to get um, 100 new patients, or that annualized rate, mm -hmm. uh, for tattoo removal. Um, per, per annum. Okay, so you're basically looking if you linear six per month. Two, two yeah. a week. Okay. Two a week. Got it. So if I had 50 by the end of June, 
then I was on target, in which case the market would have sort of proven itself to me. Okay. So originally I was just marketing it with pay-per-click advertising. Um, you know, people would do mm -hmm. web searches for tattoo removal Connecticut, and you get the pay-per-click ads at the top. And I wasn't doing any other marketing. And the whole point of that in my mind was if it can't prove itself, the numbers that I had, the marketing numbers I had for the market were so optimistic that if it couldn't prove itself to the level of two patients a week, which is pay-per-click advertising, then my numbers were just wrong. Okay. Um, or that was my thinking anyway. And if at the end of June I had gotten those numbers, then I would allocate additional marketing dollars for either print or TV or radio. I haven't really decided yet what I'll do, but I think I'm going to hit my numbers, Good. in which case I'm going to you know, move ahead. So you had tactically a very simple methodology. It's basically search engine optimization, pay-per-click, not even SEO. It was really just pay-per-click as your marketing tactic. Right. SEO was easy for this market because competition was low. Okay. So SEO uh, wasn't that difficult. If you're, you know, if you're trying to SEO Botox, forget it. Yeah. That'll take you from, you know, here to the next millennium to do that. If you're trying to do tattoo removal, that's not quite so hard to do. Competition's low. Okay. And this is what you dedicate most of your time to, is this kind of marketing analytics, marketing strategy planning? Yeah, well, first of all, I thought it was strategic planning to decide to even go into a whole new field. Agreed. So that's a strategic planning move in my mind. Okay. Um, you know, whether or not you're going to open up other facilities is a strategic planning move. You know, where are you going to put them, yep. how many, that's all strategic planning. Can mm -hmm. I, let me stop you there, Bruce, if you don't mind. Though. Sure. How many other, besides tattoo removal, were there four other areas that you could have gone into, seven other areas that potentially would have been complementary to the two practices? And depending on how many there were, what kind of process did you go through to determine that it is going to be tattoo removal that we're choosing and we're going to leave these other opportunities, at least for the time being, on the side? Yeah, I use a fairly straightforward approach to that, um, and I've th thought out how I do it. Um, so I actually either brainstorm by myself or brainstorm with others and if I can get them together. I use a wonderful piece of software called Mind, MindJet. Mm. It's a great, great piece of software. Um, so I came up with... thinking maybe 80, 80 potential ventures to either ways to repackage wow. it or ways to, or just whole new fields that I could that I thought dovetailed well with what we did. Wow, that many. I'm saying five, six, seven, and you're telling us 80. Wow. Well, if you sit down and you spend, you know, if you sit down with and you either you sit down with a piece of paper or you sit down with one of these kinds of software and just put a timer on it and say, I'm doing this for an hour and a half, so come what may, I'm sitting here and doing it, you'll be amazed what your mind can dredge up. Yeah. So that, you know, but that goes back to a conversation that you and I had that I don't think you'll mind me sharing, that we discussed how few people that we have the opportunity to run into, nobody in this room, at least as far as I'm concerned, but that's found critically thinking. They're actually taking the time to critically think. 
but it sounds like for you that's a part of your daily bread with this stuff for you to be able to dive that deep into you know the analytics of coming up with Jesus, we're doing really well, but for us to have growth into the next decade, you know, what else can we do to improve upon, you know, what we already have as a base? Hmm. Sure, I agree. You know, I think it's the only way you can, if if growth is your bug, if that's what you want to do, if you have ambitions or pretensions, whichever one you want it to be, <laughs> to become something other than... I don't know a single single practitioner single person shop then you have to think a lot to think about how that works one of the best books i ever read was if it ain't broke break it and it and it sounds like in some ways that's kind of what you know including this whole tattoo addition to the practices it was in your head like okay we know this is working really fine just as is mm -hmm. but we don't want to level out it's the front half of drucker's equation it's innovation you have to innovate in order to grow even a better way of putting it thank yeah. you yeah my i read drucker's a couple of drucker's books when i was sort of putting together how to how to approach this and my paradigm my method became create which is just dredge up all you can come up with then evaluate them choose one however you do it and then execute 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 which is really hard if you're somebody who wants to create new ideas, it becomes very hard to execute them because you're always, I mean, if you have 80 ideas listed or 30 or 40 or whatever you got and you pick one, it's hard to pick one and it's really hard to stay on task because there are those 79 other ones over there that sounded pretty good too. I got to compliment you. I, I have sat in boardrooms with chief marketing officers of Fortune 500 companies who haven't got a tenth of the clarity that you have when it comes to how to market their company and how to choose things. They have half a dozen initiatives going on. They have half a dozen teams working each of the initiatives. They don't have clarity on what the return on investment is going to look like. What is the metric? What are we measuring here? And they keep throwing stuff against the wall. You, on the other hand, have said, okay, I'm going to go down the road of tattoo removal got a very clear marketing tactic that's measurable. I have a timeline of when I'm going to measure it. I know what I want the result to look like. And if I don't get it in that time frame, I reevaluate. If I get it in that time frame, I invest more. Well, thanks for the compliment. I mean, that's, that's as good as it gets. I hear our song. Yeah. So we, I guess we're we're coming this this 45 minutes flew by. Now, I do have one last question, Bruce. It's kind of twofold. How great is it that the Yankees are in first place Ow. and the Red Sox are getting their clocks cleaned like nobody's business? We got two Red Sox fans. Oh no, too. not me. I'm a okay, Phillies okay, fan. Okay. Oh, a Yankee fan. That's as what bad are you as being about? a Red Sox. Are you a Yankee fan? Okay. <laughs> I was talking about Willis. Okay. <laughs> so everybody's happy in this room. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Phillies fan, you might as well be a Mets fan from 2005. Oh, <laughs> oh man, this is going to be. I'm glad the 45 minutes are up. That's all I can tell you. I knew I was going to stir something up with that. 
we'll leave this half hour by saying thank you, number one. We really appreciate you having here. At some point in time, we'd like to even have you come back and talk a little bit how things are going with the tattoo removal and, and just, you know, future plans for the two practices. So yeah. if you're inclined, we'd love to have you come back. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, and I'd be glad to come back. All right. And pray for the Phillies rotation. It needs some help these days. Brian, any parting words? Uh, Red Sox and the Phillies suck. <laughs> Go Thank Yankees. you, Brian. Go Yankees. <laughs> and go visit centralctdental.com and vanishingveins.net. Please. And vives.net, too. V-I-V-E-S-S-E.net. Thank you.